polarized, ready. There's there. Can you be? Can, hold on though. Can it be even ready when it's not authorized? Is is that allowed? Yes, without a doubt. I mean, um, yeah, no, definitely. Those aren't mutually exclusive because that's what we are exclusive. right now. We are both ready and unauthorized, as I we can are see. Both ready and unauthorized. Okay, that's valid. I'll take that. I'll take that. All right, we're gonna we're gonna run with that. Well. Uh, welcome, everybody, to Unauthorized Caucus, uh, where we are ready, even though we are not authorized, we are ready. It is Thursday, it's noon, and we got a bunch of new stuff coming at you today. So uh, thank you for being with us. Thanks for joining us. Obviously, Mason is out on assignment today. Uh, we have, but have we told, have we told the people of your circumstance, are we allowed? Do you mind if we tell the people oh, of no, your I circumstances? Because it's going to affect our next few weeks at this, at some right. point. There'll be a little bit of an interruption. Mason and his wife are about to have a little baby. They're welcoming a new little baby into the world. Congratulations. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> this is going to interrupt uh, your co-hosting with me at some point in the upcoming weeks because you guys are right on the edge of being due, right? Right. Well, I mean, I I, I, I have no problem, you know, recording and streaming an authorized caucus from the uh, hospital. But yeah, um, there will be no caucus streaming from the delivery room. Okay. Zero caucus okay. streaming. I'm, I'm fine, pretty sure that fine. your wife would say the same thing if she were on the stream with us. So we're, we're going to, yeah, we're going to say no streaming from the OR uh, or, well, not the OR, from the delivery room. OR. There's my, I'm a C-section dad. Just from my experience, we got the language coming out. But uh, yeah, so Mason and uh, Tracy are excitedly welcoming a little baby into the world and he's going to be out soon. So part of that is he is on assignment today and we're coming to you remote, but with some new uh, fun technology. So hopefully uh, we've got a few things cleared up. I think that in all of our tests, we've got solid audio, we've got solid video. Sound off in the chat. Let us know if you notice anything's amiss. Uh, but otherwise, we are here to rock and roll today for a very interesting discussion. Uh, YouTube Rumble, uh, wherever you are streaming on Facebook or X, feel free to chime in there as well. We will catch it and see it. And of course, as always, you can go to, where is it? Nope, unauthorizedcaucus.com. You can Whoa. go to unauthor. Yeah, I didn't even tell you about that. You go to unauthorizedcaucus.com. Yeah, It'll take you to a special web page uh, there on the website. That is a landing page at phyllislafley.com. You will be able to sign up for the email list so you get all the notifications. And of course, you will be able to also see all of the past uh, episodes, all the past videos. And starting this week, actually last week, but starting this week, we are now available wherever your favorite podcasts are. Go and search for it. Unauthorized Caucus. You will find the discussion there. Audio format, uh, iTunes, Spotify, uh, maybe not Stitcher yet, but iTunes, Spotify, Google, wherever it is that you find your podcasts, go and grab them. And then, of course, you can always come back here to YouTube and Rumble and watch our lovely faces in the meantime. So that's that. I think I got all the particulars. I'm sorry. I just ramrodded and took over there like I, I went for it because... I just went for it. I was ready. Oh, yeah. No, it's good. There's some big changes, some big changes that are leading to major improvements. That's why we've been having so many quality troubles, because the CIA has recognized that yes. you know, we're on the cusp of exploding. Uh, and with all right. these advanced changes going on with this awesome, awesome background all around us uh, That's that you right. can see right now, you know, it's, it's a whole nother level and they can't have that. The, uh, the, the lovely studio of InfoWars is, is over. The era of Alex Jones has, uh, has come to its demise. The era of unauthorized caucus has arrived. Uh, so we're here. We're coming for you, Alex. No. Uh, but it's true. We started having some interesting interruptions there right after we talked about a very couple of interesting key topics. And uh, we have, I think, since taken the opportunity to launch forward. So hopefully 
there's a lot better tech and a lot more enjoyment for you and a lot better engagement. So uh, we're going to keep up with everything today, but we have a very interesting discussion uh, that we brought up that we wanted to talk about. The new intro is fire, Bacardi says. That's good. Um, and then, yeah, new logo and a lot of stuff. There's good things. Um, I'm glad you're here uh, to be with us. Rumble chat is alive and the YouTube chat. I see Facebook too. Uh, so hop on into the discussion. But um, but yeah, today we have a bigger and a broader topic uh, to talk about. And Mason and I started to kind of have this conversation and then we paused. We hit the pause button because we wanted to have it in front of you all because I think it's very interesting. And this is one that comes up. This has come up for um, a long time in my personal life. And I think the lives of a lot of others, we've, we've talked a little bit about the dynamics of the conservative movement today. We'll call it the right wing. Should we, for the sake of the rest of the discussion, Mason, should we just say the right wing is this big general blob of, of people? Cause there's, you know, mm-hmm. there's a wide variety of people on the right wing side of the spectrum. Uh, they care about certain issues. They've got certain shades. You could kind of subdivide them into the moral majority, religious pro-life uh, folks, fiscal, you know, economics. But the right wing has had for the last 20 or 30 years, this big movement of people who have called themselves libertarian. Mm-hmm. And I think that that is a myth. Libertarianism is a myth. It doesn't work. It's a unicorn. And I think that we should talk about that today because it pulls a lot of people in because I think the folks who say that they are libertarian are pulling a lot of things that I would call classical liberal. And it, it's this, it's, it becomes this whole big confusing thing of topics, labels, philosophies, politics, and then all of a sudden we don't know where to go. And I think that if we're going to actually as conservatives, as the right wing govern, get back the White House, take over Congress and move forward and govern from state, local level, all the way up to federal. We need to understand these political philosophies, what they mean and what things have to come first. Would you, what, what do you think? What's, what's your first reaction to my um, hypothesis there as, as we kind of launch off? Yeah, well, as you know, and as maybe our viewers know, I was a libertarian for a long time and a very hardcore one at that. You know, I'm looking right over there is my uh, Austrian economics collection, uh, a lot of which I have read. It is it is uh, a political philosophy that I used to subscribe to and understand very well. Um, so what I thought would be, and, and as Ryan said, you know, we always pause our discussions. We save our best discussions to have here on the air with all of y'all. But I I have a secret, Ryan, uh, that I decided before we go into this that I was going to play devil's advocate uh, for libertarianism oh. as you go after it, which, oh. uh, you know. Of course, I, I now consider myself to be the furthest thing from a libertarian possible. Um, well, maybe not possible. I guess that would be like Stalinism, which, you know, I'm not that. But, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I think that would uh, make for a very interesting discussion because some of the feedback that I hear is that we don't disagree enough. So even if it's something that we agree on, <laughs> I think it's supposed to disagree. Well, and this is actually a very interesting one because, again, the way that libertarian is used, people again, people use that phrase. This is this is just one of my favorite topics because I feel like this is just meme central. I automatically go to the princess bride. You keep using that phrase. I don't think that it means what you think that it means because Mm -hmm. I hear a lot of people say libertarian and I listen and I go, you're talking about liberty. You're talking about limited government. You're talking about all these things that I agree with as a conservative. But I also understand that we have to preserve these things and preserving them requires some size of government. So mm-hmm. this, this is the question, I think, and, and everyone, of course, oh, well, of course, there can't be no government. That's anarchy. 
And you say, okay, well then where's the appropriate line of government? And, and maybe this is, you know, maybe we, you and I are going to have a little bit of this discussion and we're going to have to go issue by issue as an example or two, because there's almost too, you know, there's almost too much. That's, that's the thing. It's, it's one of the biggest problems. And this is why I think this discussion is valid. There's just huge broad strokes that get painted with political labels and those labels mm-hmm. change what they mean, what people mean by them. Blanket statement for me, it is always good to ask, well, what do you mean by that? What, what, you know, like, mm-hmm. and I, I was watching the, the Charlie Kirk on the whatever podcast a couple of weeks ago, which was interesting when someone said, you know, I'm a feminist. What do you think about that, Charlie? He goes, well, look, first of all, what do you mean by feminist? Because I know what I think I mean by feminist, but what do you mean? That should just be the launch point period when you jump into a conversation with someone. What, what do you mean by that phrase and that label that you just said? Right. And uh, if we're going to attack an idea, a position or an idea, we should uh, always do the opposite of straw man. We should always steel man it to, uh, you know, look at the best possible arguments for that and make sure that we truly understand them. So we're not, you know, attacking a position uh, or a caricature of a position rather than attacking the position itself. So, you know, the the straw man of libertarianism is just like, oh, people that just want to be left alone. You know, oh, I just want to smoke weed and be around gay people um, and just let people enjoy things, man. Like that. And that's very easy to take down because there's really no thinking behind that whatsoever. That's just, a, you know, um, that that's the most basic form of libertarianism without any bite to it. Um, but the uh, the steel man position of libertarianism, I think, would be. Uh, because because libertarianism, especially the economic side, does have a very strong tradition behind it. Um, not as much the political side. I mean, the political side overlaps significantly with classical liberalism. You know, thinkers like John Locke, um, and uh, well, I mean, he, he's one of the biggest ones. But you know, the philosophy of our founding fathers, or at least some of them. But the the real meat, I think, comes from the economic thinkers and the way that they uh, push their ideas into the political realm. You know, see what it means for that. Uh, so I. I think the core of a libertarian political philosophy would be um, first the, the starting point is the non-aggression principle, you know, an understanding of the way relations in a society work and that people should, people should not be coerced into entering into relations or actions that they would not have under their own free will, or they just, just shouldn't be coerced in general. People should mm-hmm. take their actions according to their own free will. Uh, and, and not under threat of whether it's government or a robber or something like that. And so therefore the libertarian position would be, okay, well, you think of taxation and governments need taxation to exist, to, you know, fund themselves, to pay the people working in government and to fund the police force and to fund regulatory agencies, et cetera, et cetera. Taxation is necessary for the government to exist. And uh, that this is, so I think the most, logically consistent form of libertarianism uh, is anarcho-capitalism, you know, taking the uh, conclusion that, okay, because taxation is necessary for the government to exist, taxation is also the, it's a coercive transaction. It's essentially a shakedown, you know, Um, the, the government says you're going to give us money. And if you don't, we are going to put you in jail. And the, and that's, that's true. That's how the world works. Um, so a ethical society, according to a libertarian, a society existing with libertarian principles would not have taxation and would therefore not have government because government does everything it does through coercion. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's, this is, by the way, let me, let me back up and, um, and preface. Some of this is kind of born out of the El Salvador conversation that we had a couple of weeks ago, 
because this mm -hmm. is where I'm seeing a lot. You know, we talked about um, President Bukele and what he's done. Bukele? Yeah, I got it right. Bukele. Mm -hmm. Bukele. Bukele. Something. But what he has done with mass uh, arrests, rounding people up, throwing them in prison, basically cleaning up the streets in El Salvador. It was, an an it was just a pure anarchist situation. Cartels, uh, gangs, they ran the nation. And what he's done is restored law and order in order to restore freedom uh, to the people, the, the free movement and free exercise of all of these different things. And it, it's kind of, it's one of those situations where everyone says, well, this is great. I'm glad what's happening, cleaning up the streets of El Salvador, but at what cost this, we have to come in with this authoritarian movement and he has to do this and this and this, and we've suspended liberties and all these different things. And it is a very um, real conversation to have, because I think if you look across blue cities in America, we are looking at that same juxtaposition. Well, we don't want to suspend what ought to be the freedoms and liberties of people in these areas, but at the same time, what do you do but come in with the coercion of government, to your point, what you just said, the coercion of government to come in and make something happen? How else are we going to get it done? We have to have that. And that kind of brings you to this point of, well, can, can you even have liberty without that order, without the authority being exercised? Is it even possible? Um, and I would argue that it's not. It, it, the order has to come first, because I know this actually goes all the way back to you know, Aristotle and Plato were talking about can, what's the most fundamental thing? Can uh, liberty itself create and sustain order? Or do you have to have order, uh, order in order for liberty to flourish? I mean, this, this goes back, you know, thousands of years, we've been discussing this as a people. Um, and we're seeing it play out now in 2024 in El Salvador. I think that from a, uh, from a, a biblical worldview, from the Christian perspective, uh, which I, you know, I would argue is the only absolute truth you'll find from a Christian perspective, you cannot come to any other conclusion than order must come first. There must be some sort of order recognized or set down before you can operate inside of liberty. So necessarily, there will be a point where, you know, and this is, and, and mind you, I'm not suggesting the, you know, what, um, uh, what was it, uh, Thomas, or not Thomas Jefferson, was it Ben Franklin or Adams who said that, uh, um, those who would sacrifice their, you know, freedom, their liberty for um, uh, security safety. deserve neither for sa yeah. Yeah, safety. We're, we're not necessarily talking about safety or about guarantee. We're talking about order. There is a moral order. There is um, absolute truth. There is uh, these recognitions of things like the, the, the fundamentals in America, property rights, individual rights, the right to your life uh, and, and safe uh, security, you know, to defend yourself. These things must be recognized first, and then you have the freedom to use them, to exercise them, to protect them. It, it always comes second. Otherwise, if you don't have that order, there is nothing to protect. There's no liberty in which to, to move or to act. So as you start to move into some of these other areas, which this, you know, we're talking in big grand terms, but this kind of comes down to uh, like El Salvador, crime. How, how do we actually play this out in terms of crime? Well, do you just suspend people's liberties briefly in order to clean up the crime? Well, maybe it's working. That's what they're doing. Now, you know, you have to have transparent government and uh, the lack of corruption so that you can actually return this to a state of liberty. But it also has to be a state of liberty that involves order that is kept at the end of it. And I think that we're looking at some of the things in that. This is, this is where I think for us, the conversation gets very interesting in America when you start to take that and extrapolate it into things like, um, abortion into things like marriage. Uh, what are what are you and are you not allowed to do and say as the government? Is the government's role actually to get involved in these things, to be the heavy-handed um, 
uh, authority of order or is the government's job to, in the, again, kind of a traditional libertarian view, traditional according to you and I, I would say, because again, this word goes back a lot longer than just, you know, our lifetimes. Do we go, have to go hands off? Well, the government shouldn't even be involved in that. That's not the purview of the government, which is an argument I would very much make in some places. Um, I think that's, to me, this is where you, you know, you have to kind of recognize libertarianism doesn't work in some regards because you can't just say, well, government should go hands off on, um, you know, homosexual marriage or so-called homosexual marriage, because guess what? I'm going to extrapolate out. We're going to go, you know, piece by piece by piece and end up where we are, which is the sexualizing and grooming of children. There is this road, a path that is connected between this point and this point, which is why in order to preserve liberty and freedom of choice, you have to actually have order first. We must decide in an ordered fashion, no, up here, up, up at this point, this is a no. As a society, we do not do this. That doesn't mean that you control every single little thing that people think and say and do, but you have to say no as a society. And that's what, you know, oh, well, I'm a libertarian and I don't really think we should. Well, yeah, you, I, I think that this is a moral ordered line. You can tell people no here because we know that it's going to you know, extrapolate all the way down here at this point. Th these are the kinds of topics, I think, where this gets really relevant. Right. Uh, and yeah, I mean, a, a libertarian would say that, you know, the uh, free market associations can provide order. You know, there's the uh, there's the invisible hand that Adam Smith talked about. Hayek talks about. Uh, spontaneous order as just the process of the market providing for uh, the demands of consumers. So consumers demand security, protection, law, enforcement of laws upon one another. There are going to be uh, free market solutions to those. At least that is what they you know, suggest. And, um, and I don't know if I really buy it. I mean, I've read a lot of books about it. There's, and there's a lot of scholarship about it from libertarian economists. Uh, that, you know, the private production of defense, the private production of national defense, even, you know, what mm -hmm. is this even possible? Do the incentive structures exist? Uh, I mean, but when it comes down to it, you know, there's probably a reason that an anarcho-capitalist society does not exist. Um, and the only ones that really can, you know, um, fit into that category are, you know, just following a very like roundabout method of just instituting another government. And, and I think the, you know, probably the only country that could like maybe call itself anarcho-capitalist is a country uh, like like Liechtenstein, um, just barely. But it, 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 but it's a tiny country that's uh, in the middle of an extremely safe area in the United States. Nobody is ever going to attack it. Um, they have a good rule of law and and they still have a prince ruling the government. Uh, but, the, you know, it's a prince that understands libertarian philosophy very well. Uh, and practices that, but it's like it, when it comes down to it in such a small society, really any political system can work. You know, if you have 10 people, right. like, yeah, you could pull off communism probably for maybe a decade before it turns into some weird cult thing. Um, so it's, uh, there's not very much historical basis for, you know, defending a through and through actual libertarian society. Um, and, uh, and a libertarian would say, like, no, the function of government is not to uh, per, not to get involved with those things, like you say, like marriage and abortion mm -hmm. and things like that. Uh, but I I think a lot of the problem comes with where the libertarian conception of government and society comes from. You know, the libertarians look at government in a logical vacuum first and like understand right. it there rather than both historically and socially understanding that 
the state is simply the political function of a society, as we discussed in the populist delusion episode, you know, that's right. Yeah. From that book, the state is the political function of society. And it's, it's natural for man to have a political function. You know, Aristotle says that man is a social animal. Man exists in a society interacting with other people. Uh, and there must be norms enforced so that that can go as well as it possibly can. And that norms doesn't mean, you know, like, oh, we have the non-aggression principle. It's like, um, because that's a very post-enlightenment way of thinking, thinking of morality as this kind of universal, universalizable and atomized thing that can just be applied to individuals and rationally thought out. Uh, no, that's not how it works at all. Um, you know, the, uh, it's, it's, it's reason in a vacuum. I mean, it's, and, and this is something that we've talked about uh, on occasion about, you know, the origins of liberalism. My, my position on that is that uh, it comes out of the Anglo tradition, but it, it didn't, it didn't start the Anglo tradition. It came right. out of a thousand years of common law practice and people over time uh, building a society in the best way possible over a millennium uh, after the fall yeah. of the Roman empire, you know, people figuring this out, the best way to interact with each other. And those norms were so deeply embedded in the culture and probably even, you know, genetic memory to a degree um, because I, I would imagine that would provide some selection pressure um, that the, that that's just what worked. And then what they did is after the fact, people like John Locke came along and wrote down what was working. The constitution, right. there, constitutionalism is an expression of what already exists. It is not a prescription for how to build a society. But what libertarians do is they go the, in the realm of reason in a vacuum. They look at all the prescription or they, they look at the constitution, which is, you know, the post hoc rationalization of the way society works and start building off of that. And it's totally disconnected from the life world and the way humans actually work. Yeah. Um, it's uh, because we've always had a state. Right. And, and that's the thing is this is, um, <coughs> pardon me. When you look at, um, when you look at the founders, this is one of the things I think, cause we hear, you know, there's a lot of nomenclature around the war for independence the American revolution that is liberty based, mm -hmm. you know, the, even the battle cry, give me liberty or give me death. I mean, this is, it's, it's all about liberty. It's all about freedom is what they're talking about, but they're talking about the principles that exist even before government. They're talking about principles, the principle of liberty, not being free from order, but the principle of liberty or freedom that we get inside of God's order, the natural order that we recognize, and there's, you know, there's, there's a reference to, that's Locke, right? The laws of nature and nature's God. Um, we've, you know, we've got an understanding that when, th then when the founding fathers give us these battle cries of liberty, it is understood inside an order. And at that point, what was happening was the parliament of Great Britain was starting to operate outside of that natural order and become tyranny and forming their own tyrannical order. And it's not a rejection of order. It's not a rejection of authority. It is a appeal to the higher authority, to the higher order, or I guess you could call it the, the more fundamental um, than what was being put on them, which is why I said, no, no, hold on. We came here and we set up this system based on these principles. Now you are going off of that track and we are course correcting. So it's not really this break, this rebellion from order and authority itself. It is an appeal to the higher authority, to the more important, to the more fundamental, <coughs> pardon me, um, order and morality itself. 
that's a really interesting thing. And when you start to look across, you know, our founding and you start to see those cries for liberty, you know, no king, but King Jesus, those kinds of things, you realize there is no rejection of order here. There is a recognition of order, of a higher order. So even in our own very, what seems like rebellious beginning here in the United States of America, that is an appeal to an even greater order and a rejection of Great Britain as, you know, rejecting that order at the time or abusing it, trampling it. And that's really an interesting thing. So as you see people who want to be liberty minded or libertarian minded <coughs> and start to get uncomfortable, pardon me about the, this cough is going to go away at some point. We'll get rid of it, folks, I promise. But um, as you as you start to examine things inside that light, you realize we cannot overcorrect as, as conservatives, as the right wing. In my opinion, we cannot overcorrect into this place that limits us from making moral judgments and setting down moral norms. Um, that is exactly, I think, the problem when we have a libertarian, quote unquote, as, as a lot of people mean it, a libertarian perspective. And by the way, I got a text from a friend of mine who says my 2018 self is very offended right now because he, <laughs> he used to call himself a libertarian. We've, we've had a lot of discussions. He's come a long way, but he saw the title of the video and he said, I'm, my, my 2018 self is offended that I'm a myth. But I look at it and say, this, this is the problem. When you say, well, I, I, I don't want to tell people what to do. I don't, well, I'm not necessarily looking to tell you what to do, but we have to exist inside of this system that we've agreed upon. We, we have to understand and have a set of moral norms that we've all agreed upon and we know what works and how we can be free inside of these restrictions, inside of this boundary. Otherwise, it is chaos. It's anarchy. It's immoral. Uh, and, and that inevitably leads to the rule of the mob, the rule of the most powerful, you know, tyranny, the rule of bullies. Um, and that's, you know, not a good thing. That is neither free nor ordered. Uh, it is disordered and slavery, disordered slavery. So there's a very interesting line where I think we're seeing a lot of young people, the younger conservatives, your generation, the Zoomers, uh, are coming in. And that trad lifestyle is coming back with a vengeance. And I think that traditional stuff in politics is starting to come back too. And it makes some of the more traditional libertarian minds from the last 20 or 30 years very uneasy because all of a sudden we're wanting to get into the legislative process and start running down. And that's, I think, this is where we intersect with this modern um, wave of what the left is negatively calling Christian nationalism. I think this is what they mean. Honestly, they're saying, well, you just want to legislate your your religious values. No, but we have to legislate basic values that we all agree upon. And mm -hmm. murder is not one of those that's okay. So if it's not right. okay outside the womb, it shouldn't be okay inside the womb. We've built this box. Now let's all abide by it and then make our decisions from there. It's, it's a very interesting thing that I think that we should make sure as we're looking at it, when someone wants, you know, when you go off into this direction and start to say, we need to legislate based on some of these things, we need to actually make our legal code reflect the moral order that we must have agreed upon or there is no liberty. This is where the left will then say, well, you're just a Christian nationalist. Well, you just want to impose your morality into the lawmaking process and, and make the rules that way. Well, that's how civil society works. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you send them the uh, the giga chad face just with yes. Yes, exactly. And, yeah. and see, that's the thing is I think that that response, that yes, that's what I want to do. I think that there are some mm -hmm. old school conservatives, and I'm not trying to offend anyone. I don't mean if you're, if you're listening and going, hey, I think I, I resemble that remark. I'm, this is my invitation to you to think about this again and say, I think it's time for us to get a lot more comfortable with saying, yes, that's exactly what I want to do. And yes, that's exactly what we should do. And yes, that is how society actually works. And yes, that's how we actually have liberty and freedom. Otherwise, 
what you're describing, where everyone's allowed to do whatever they want. That's not freedom. That's not liberty. That's called license. That's chaos. Mm-hmm. It's it's right. not it's not how civil society works. We will not have a nation. There will be no societal norms. There will be no society. Right. And uh, the, the the libertarian position is, you know, they they talk about victimless crimes. You know, we need to legalize victimless crimes. And um, and libertarians are pretty divided on an issue like abortion because that's not as much a legal question, but like a a question of like science and ethics and where you stand on that. And obviously, we have the correct position. Um, right. but, and, and there are a lot, of, a lot of libertarians that also hold the correct position and are like, oh, yeah, the government should prevent abortion because abortion is murder. Uh, so so I don't necessarily fault libertarianism as a philosophy for being uh, for like having a, a problem on abortion. I, I fault some libertarians for that. But as a philosophy, I don't think uh, they it, it's necessarily a failure on that front. But with other things like a, like a LGBTQ stuff, uh, the trans stuff drug legalization, things like that. You know, they talk about, oh, it's a victimless crime. Uh, you're, you're, it's just somebody doing their own thing. They're not affecting anybody else. Um, and, uh, and that stems from the, they think very individually. They only think in terms of individualism and they cannot recognize like any sort of collective, any sort of, you know, concept of health for a society, health for a nation as a whole, as a cohesive whole that exists together. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is, I mean, that's, uh, but the, the fact is that cultures and nations are organisms and they do come about through people working together with common values and common goals and common cultures. Uh, and that is, that is how humanity reaches its heights. And that's something we've completely rejected, you know, by adopting mm-hmm. this idea that America just means whatever you want it to mean. It just means freedom. That's all it means. Like, no, America is the last bastion of Western civilization and you have to understand right. what Western civilization is and then you have to defend that, uh, and and uh, you have to defeat the people trying to destroy it. And um, yeah, but but they they they're like, oh, somebody smokes weed that doesn't affect anybody else. Like, no, that that impacts the health of the nation. If a bunch of people are smoking right. weed, that affects the morale. There are fewer thematic men out there, or like something like pornography. You know, it's like no, this is this is harmful. Uh, for the individuals, and they say, "Oh well, an individual can harm themselves as long as they aren't harming anybody else." That's the right. It's like, no, why, why, why don't we protect people? Like we want to protect people from robbers and uh, right. and killers, you know, out in the streets. Why don't we? We're not protecting them from themselves. We're protecting them from these, you know, pervasive addictions. Right, and inevitably does all over their heads. There's a creep. It's going to creep in. It will inevitably grow. It's not victimless. It's not, you know, individual. I mean, that's you just you just trampled across one of the greatest um, examples in my mind today. I mean, we've we just you know the Schlafly brothers, John and Andy Schlafly. Here's a little promo for their column. Go over to phyllisschlafly.com. It releases every Tuesday night. They were just talking about sports betting and gambling. Um, I mean, you want to talk about gambling? You want to talk about um, pornography. You want to talk about all these different things. Oh, well, I mean, if, if, if everyone's consenting and if we want to, and this and this and this, yeah, but that's not, that's not where it stays. That's the Mm -hmm. problem is, is there's a, there's even a difference. Like if you want to start to have this, this discussion inside of society, there is a decay that comes with that as it begins to grow. There is, um, something that is going to have ripple effects that will necessarily bring us along. I mean, it's the same thing when you look at, um, uh, and, and this is one of the things I loved about Phyllis Schlafly is she had the foresight to look down the field and see this isn't what this is going to stay. So when, you know, homosexual couples came up and said, well, we just want civil unions. 
We just want something. We just, you know what? Fine. I don't care. Make a contract with whoever you want to make a contract with. Make, make, you can make a legal agreement. I don't care. But that's not the point because then that's a stepping stone. And then we want the next thing and we want the next thing. And then it's not just that we have the right to exist. You have to accept us. And then you get punished if you don't accept us. And now there's another group to accept. And now there's a this and now there's a that. And now we have men competing in women's sports. We have men walking into women's locker rooms. We have kids being sexualized at the earliest of ages in public institutions. And I mean, I'm not saying that it all goes back to civil unions, but I, I'm kind of saying that it does because we have allowed this one crack. You, you, you start somewhere with this disorganized, um, disordered section uh, or perversion is what I'll call it in, in society. That crack grows. It is not mm -hmm. going to stay there. So that's why just as a society, you sit down and say, no, we're not going to legalize marijuana. No, we shouldn't have legalized prostitution or pornography. No, we shouldn't do these things because it is a rot that leads to these other things. It does not just stay in one place. It does not lead to a virtuous society. It leads to an immoral society. It will walk that direction every single time. And there's no way to actually arrive at that conclusion unless you understand the fallen nature of the world, which is why... It, this is just, it ends up coming back to, to your point, we're, we're back to an understanding of there's only, you know, there's, there's two different ways to go in governance. There is the way of Western civilization, of Christian civilization. I'm just going to go ahead and say it. I get, I mean, we're, this, again, this is where the Christian nationalism discussion ends up going because you either have an understanding of it is um, moral ordered society and Christian civilization, Western civilization versus paganism. Uh, which in our, you know, the paganism that we now face is um, uh, secular humanism. That's the, that is the pagan religion that we're facing. It, you either understand that or you don't. And those are the two different things that you can understand. And then the two different directions that you can try to create governance from and to strip out that moral order and that understanding of the underlier of what we have, it, it leads you down this other path that just will never work. Um, and, and again, that's where I see, I hate that when you get down the field and you see people in the right wing, people in the conservatives kind of being peeled off by this um, libertarian idea. Well, government shouldn't legislate on that. Well, government shouldn't have a hand in education, but the government should absolutely um, legislate morally on the issue of abortion and should make moral decisions on what we do and don't recognize as marriage. Because the, one of these things is good for society, one of them is not. This is not a, you know, a, a libertarian thing. So that's, that's kind of, again, that's where it plays out in my mind. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, uh, but it's, it's also somewhat ironic because in our, our current political situation, I see libertarians as more of friends than enemies. Uh, you know, although I like the state and although I like the use of state power, when we have the uniparty in control, the DC uniparty, as John and Andy Schlafly put it, um, you know, like, I hate these guys, too. I, I don't want yeah. them to have power. I don't want them to have the power they have. I hate all of the laws that they pass. I think they're bad for society. And I can, it, it's very much a, uh, the enemy of my enemy is my friend moment with libertarians. Right. You know, we we both hate this, like, Leviathan that it governs America right now. You know, and uh, and once once that's destroyed, you know, okay, then we can have it out with the libertarians. But, right. Um, but, all 10 of them um, but, you know, <laughs> un until then I'm not too worried about it. You know, that's why, that's why even, you know, right-wing people, you know, further to the right that are like, Oh yeah, I'm, I'm pro government. I like using the government for my own ends is like, Oh yeah. Ron Paul, that guy's, that guy's pretty great. I was a big Ron Paul supporter. It's like, yeah. Cause like, even if you're a hardcore libertarian, if you're a hardcore libertarian working in our government, you're like tearing up the same thing we're trying to tear up. 
Yeah, absolutely. And that's the thing. There's there's a big distinction between the um, the uh, um, strategy and the tactical nature of politics, what we're trying to do election cycle to election mm-hmm. cycle, and then the policy, the governance side of it. Um, I yeah. mean, th- don't get me wrong. These two things are, are tied together. However, mm-hmm. and again, this is another harken back to Phyllis Schlafly, who is so good at this. That doesn't mean that we can't be an ally here on this yeah. issue because you and I have a common enemy. These people, these leftists over here, don't want either one of us to exist. So we could talk mm-hmm. about this part later, but if we let them win, we lose our platform to even have this right. discussion. And that's so important, which is why I'm so excited, not only to invite all 10 of the libertarians into the fold this year, but you know to see the walkaway movement and people who are not conservatives, but they are leaving the left, seeing what the left truly is, that it's a monster and it is not a benevolent political movement or, or, or you know state of mind. Um, they're seeing the effects of it and the, the strings that control it from globalists all the way up and how they're being used. And they're walking away and saying, no, I'm not with these people. I'm with the freedom people. And it's like, cool, come on over. This is, this is good. We'll take you. Right. If we vote, if, if you will come and join us and vote this side into power, we can then have the nuanced conversations about what exactly, which is why, you know, I, I might want to take exception with, uh, with when someone says, you oh, they're, they're part of the gay conservative movement. I'm like, well, We'll see about that because my version of conservative doesn't necessarily involve some of the things that they think are okay. So we'll talk about what conservative means and who's actually conservative. But in the meantime, yes, those leftists are communists and we need to get rid of them and eradicate them from government completely at every level in the United States of America. Mm-hmm. Come on over. Let's vote together and get it done. Um, right. That's, that is and, a, a necessary strategy or tacti- uh, tactical perspective you've got to take in America. That's where we are. And, and, and you know, that necessitates there will be future discussions and this is why these discussions are so important because we need to know how to not only separate that but then when it's time for the second layer how to then okay well you were my ally here but now we need to talk about this severe disagreement about how it actually ought to be done instead of just fighting these people who we knew it shouldn't be done this way Mm -hmm. sorry you were starting to say something yeah something uh, a couple things jumped out to me first is that uh hans hoppe who is a austrian economist and a Mm -hmm. living defender of like radical libertarianism takes the position that like for the preservation of a free society communists and democrats have to be if not eliminated like physically removed from the free society they cannot partake in it because their ideas what they will do with that free society given an inch is destroy it you know that's their goal uh so they they cannot be permitted to uh, you know, promote what they want and to do what they want, which is like kind of a, a libertarian justification against free speech. It's like, you know, if you have if you have somebody using free speech to advocate for the destruction of free speech, you know, what's the point of allowing them to have free speech? Um, but uh, another thing that jumped out to me is a which we, we haven't even mentioned him yet. Javier Malay in Argentina. Mm-hmm. Yeah, is a. It, it, Radical anarcho-capitalist president literally has named his dogs after Austrian economists and their clones <laughs> of each other. Um, and yeah, just eccentric, radical libertarian dude. And he's like putting it into action. He's slashing a bunch of government programs. Uh, uh-huh. And and what people don't understand is that like, okay, um, you know, with good economics, you, you kind of have to have it's like waking up from alcoholism. You know, you've been drinking every day for a year. Like yeah. when you stop, it's going to hurt a lot it's going to hurt a whole lot. And like, you're going to think, Oh man, I should just go back to drinking. But it's like, no, you have to get to that point where you are back to your regular healthy baseline. You know, that's, that's what Mm -hmm. he's doing in Argentina. Um, But the nature of democracy is that people will never get that. They want all good all right now. 
And so right. he slashes all these programs, people just out in the streets, rioting, upset. And he, he deploys the use of state power, you know, riot police and, you know, to put the citizenry in their place, which is just a hilarious kind of contradiction in it. But um, it, it kind of shows your point exactly. Like we need order if we are going to have liberty. Order is the prerequisite because the people can't just figure it out on their own. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's, that's where we are. Um, I think the phrase that I heard it said is that there is a necessity of order before we can move forward to the assertion of liberty. Um, and that's, that's it. It's an action, uh, but it comes with a recognition of order, which is not our action. That is something that exists uh, already. It exists outside of us, and we've got to recognize it. And then we can move forward to assert liberty. So that's, um, that's it. That's about all I had for the discussion. And we've kind of hit our 45 or so minute mark. I want to make sure we're respectful of people's lunch hours here. But, um, but yeah, it, that's, I think that there are a lot of ramifications for us this year, particularly as uh, we are discussing not just, you know, kind of on the tactical side, we're talking about wanting to get a, a good president back into office. Obviously, none of us are happy with the one who's there now. Um, that is a bigger, broader, easier to deal with. There's less nuance. It's just obviously mm -hmm. a better choice versus a not as good choice. However, there are a lot of elections this year, and a lot of those are state level things, local level things where you actually are starting to get into the nitty gritty of, well, hold on, this is how we ought to govern this is kind of one of those things that I think we've got to think of both of them at once. First of all, we'll get to that at the national level. Here's where we are now. We've got to, you know, move this direction. But then at the local level, no, we actually have the opportunity to do some, at least like in places like where we are here in Missouri, there's some good governing that can go on. And some of this, we're a little farther ahead than we are at the national level. We can talk about it and try to get good people into office who understand it, but we have to understand it first. Mm -hmm. So this libertarian idea of hands-off government in some areas, at least, uh, this is, I, I think that this is something that we need to dig into, understand. Again, this is a good long conversation today, but this is hardly the full extent of the conversation, especially once you go issue by issue and actually start to spin it up. Uh, but I'm seeing this a lot more and I'm starting to see a lot more people say, I don't know if I would have been comfortable with saying that the government ought to do that, but I think the government ought to do that. I say, yeah, I think you're right. Mm -hmm. The government ought to do that. Oh, but now they're going to call me a Christian nationalist. Guess what? That's okay. Because you recognize mm -hmm. order comes before liberty and we're defending Western civilization, which is essentially Judeo-Christian values. That That's mm -hmm. how we started. That's where we came from. And that has to be at the basis or there is no freedom. So it has to come before freedom. It has to be preserved. Um, that's a big understanding. And I think that there's been this ingrained, no, don't do that because, you know, you don't want to look like you're legislating your, your, you know, religious values on everyone else. Well, we all need to have the same religious values then. And this is the right mm -hmm. one. That's the, let's right. move there. That's, Somebody's you know, going to be exercising their values in politics. Right. I'd rather right. it be the people that I agree with. Right. I'd ra well, I'd rather be the people that are right. And I know that I agree with the people who are right because I know what's right. There you go. It's just, it, it's, we, are right. we are right. It's uncomfortable, but I think that we need to start all saying that more, recognizing it more. And I think that this is one of those big discussions that you can start to have with a lot of people who you agree with, but aren't quite there yet. Get them over the hump. We can do it. Mm -hmm. So that's yeah. it. That's all I've got. Yeah. No, any closing I, thoughts? I don't have any more, but the, my closing thought is I think there's a little bit of irony of like right above my head, that's human action by Mises and just kind of like hovering above my head, like a light bulb, <laughs> which I thought was kind of funny. Well, I've got a, I've got a Trump million dollar bill hovering above my head here. 
And then a bunch it's of like other a halo. There's, there's a lot of it is. It's it's my halo. It's my Trump halo. But then of course there's some there's some Russell Kirk over here and Phyllis Schlafly. There's some Reagan and Russell Kirk and a bunch of other uh, thinkers here. And then of course actually here's a shout out. My uh, oldest child made an a awesome mini brick Lego eagle that is on my shelf in front of my entire suite of Phyllis Schlafly books. I'm extremely happy about that. That's a fun one. I saw. I think I I got a picture from my wife. He pointed that out earlier on the stream. It was like, there's my eagle. Yeah, that's your eagle. So uh, that's there. Well, this has been a good one. Uh, This is a long discussion that I think we could probably take out. Sound off in the comments if you want to hear us talk about a certain specific area. Um, We could definitely have that out. And then, of course, shoot us an email. Uh, You can email us, uh, unauthorizedcaucus at phyllisschlafly.com. Go to unauthorizedcaucus.com. This show is streaming there. It's embedded in the page every single Thursday. And then, of course, you'll be able to pick up not only the past week's videos, but also you can pick up the podcast there and you can pick up the podcast wherever it is. So like and share and subscribe. Mm-hmm. Uh, send this can link to a the, friend. Uh, the email list on, on, on unauthorizedcaucus.com. Yeah, that's, okay. uh, yeah, the email list is there too, unauthorizedcaucus.com. You'll go get signed up for the emails. Uh, all the things the redacted are, email. All the places. The, yeah, the, we call it the redacted email. Uh, if you want all mm-hmm. the all the links uh, that we used as our inspiration for some of these things, go and get up, sign up for the redacted emails because that's where they're coming from. But um, go do it, and we will see you all next week on another unauthorized caucus. It'll be Thursday. It'll be noon, and we may be live. We may be live <laughs> in the delivery room. You never know. Uh, now that we have more technological capability, we're just going to show up, and it's going to be exciting every week. Stay tuned. Thanks, everybody.